<laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Hello, online fam. Welcome to Echo Online Service. We are thankful and grateful and just so blessed to have you joining us today. It is our hope that within Echo, you find your place, your people, and your purpose. If you are new to Echo, here's what you can expect. A few songs of worship by our incredible Echo Band, a message from Pastor Andy, and a time of response. Yes, at Echo, we believe faith is more than just a belief. It's more than a Sunday service. We are called to be obedient. We want to share a few things that are happening at Echo that follow this obedient concept. Number one, today kicks off our 21 days of fasting and prayer leading right up to Easter. Why? Because Jesus tells us we should. That's right. What is it? It's saying no to the physical so that we can say yes to the spiritual. It's creating a space to receive what God has for you. We feel like the Lord is doing something new in the faith community and yeah. we want to humbly position ourselves to participate in all that God has in store. Yes, yes. Number three, generosity. God's word clearly calls us to live a life of generosity, to give our first 10% to the kingdom of God through the local church. If you are, oh, hello. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> if you are looking to give today, you can head to our website, text any amount to 84321 or use the Church Center app. Thank you for joining us. We love having you as a part of our Echo fam and we hope you love, share, comment, and of course, enjoy Echo Online service.
things in this world today and let alone in this church echo church father this morning as i was praying in your spirit god i just knew that you told me that this will be a house of restoration for rochester lord i just usher in your spirit this morning i pray that you would move like the wind lord jesus like a mighty flood come into this room right now soften our hearts open our eyes jesus father we know that you are watching over us this morning
you know every hair on our head and you know everything about us, Jesus. And the Bible says that if he cares for the sparrow, how much more will he care for you? So this morning, Father, we just worship you. We thank you. Lord, we don't deserve it, but you give it anyways. We are thankful. above all other names. That's Jesus Christ. And today we say thank you because you go before us and you walk after us and yet you're beside us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, man, is God good? Up. And it's Echo's word of the year. And, and for those that have been around, you know that I was just simply reading a portion of scripture where Jesus is telling his disciples kind of all the bad news, right? It was kind of a downer uh, moment in Jesus' teaching, but he was saying, I'm leaving and you're staying here. And then after that bad news, he looks at them and says, get up, let's get going. And I believe that that's the message that we need to hear today is we've navigated through a tough season. And this is the moment where God is calling us to get up and let's get going. Now, let me just be a little clear with you today. For some of you that are watching online or some of you that are in the house, I'm not trying to present the idea of what kind of up and direction you need to go in. I believe we all have that word up in front of us. The question that you need to ask God is what's the word I need to put in front of that word up for 2021? I can't answer that for you. 
All I can just do is lean into the scriptures and say, Lord, just direct us and guide us. And all along the way, I'm hoping and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit starts dropping some direction in your life. Can I hear an amen? amen. Acts 26, 16 says this, now up on your feet, I have a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and a witness to what is happening today and to what I'm going to show you. That's the journey that we're on. And in true Andy fashion, we've been leaning into some, some mountains within scripture and just kind of like geeking out with what's happening in those locations and asking God, what can I learn and where can we go from here? And last week I talked about Mount Ararat and I talked about how Noah, as he is placed upon this mountain, that in essence is a mirror, that's why we call it Flood Sunday, a mirror of baptism. It's this, it's this story that really kind of uh, threads itself through the Old Testament and into the moment where Jesus walks into the waters himself and there is a new life and a new beginning even for him. And again, I don't wanna go into the details of it, but I do wanna tell you that God is calling uh, us to pursue up and sometimes in our up, we first need to go down. And that I believe, and I mentioned it last week, is the simple obedience of going into the waters and saying, Lord, you know what? You said it, so I'm going to do it. And today, what I want to do is just jump into another mountain. It's every kid's favorite mountain. If you have these at, at your house, it's Mount Carmel. I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking about getting like a bunch of caramels and then have the, the, uh, the, what do we call what the what are the people that welcome us in? What's the term here at Echo? Greeters? Is that the official term? You can see how much I lead around here, how much I'm in charge. <clears throat> I was thinking about having the greeters hand out all of those uh, caramels. I was thinking about putting caramels on the seat, but then I realized every illustration I ever do is revolved around candy. <laughs> I can't do it. I couldn't do it today. So anyway, just you know, anyone that has nothing to do with Carmel. So, um, but really Mount Carmel, let me just tell you a little bit about what I know about it as I was studying this last week and just really in, in, in my pursuit of understanding scriptures and its context is Mount Carmel is placed right by the Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean coast. It's on Northern Israel. And what's significant and what you need to know is the lay of Israel and the land is very desert and mountain-like. If you've ever been down to um, Arizona uh, and you've ever gone beyond uh, the city limits of, of Phoenix and you start going and hiking in some of those mountains, I imagine that that is what a lot of the lay of the land of Israel looks like. But then there's Mount Carmel and Mark, Mount Carmel's different. It's near the, the sea. Therefore, there is just a significant amount of water and, and rain that comes to that location over all the other. And so if you were to walk into, uh, onto Mount Carmel, it is a very fertile it's a very, very healthy place for growth. In fact, uh, a lot of people uh, believe that it was very forest-like in the days of Jesus. And I'm telling these details because, to be honest, this was a place that was kind of nice to go to. It was the opposite of the majority of the lay of the land when it comes to the desert and the dry land and, and Mount Carmel, even the definition or the meaning of the, me, the, the name means garden land. I mean, who doesn't like walking into the luscious land of a garden? And, and that's kind of the picture. And I want just this that in the back of your mind as we uh, kind of go through this story here. But I believe the garden represents a place of goodness. It's a, it's a place of provision. But it also, in the story that I'm going to share with you today, is a place of tension. And it's a place of testing and temptation. I mean, just think about it. Go back to the, the beginnings and Adam and Eve are put in the garden and what happens there? 
It's a beautiful place of provision. It's a beautiful place of goodness, yet there's tension and there's testing and there's temptation. There's no difference when we come into this story. Now, interesting to Mount Carmel, there's a few very significant stories that happen on this mountain. One is with a man named Elijah. It might be Elisha. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, But that's not the one I want to talk about today. I want to talk about Saul's interaction on the mountain of Carmel. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Samuel 15. 1 Samuel 15. Let me tell you a little bit about the context of what's happening in this scripture. Saul has been anointed king over Israel. He has been given the authority to rule and reign God's people. And that's exactly what he starts doing. But what's significant about the moment that he's living in is Israel has pressure from all sides. There's an enemy to the north. There's an enemy to the south. I'm doing it right. And the east and the west. And he feels that. And, and, and in fact, um, it's said in scriptures in chapter 14 somewhere, it says he fought against all of his enemies on every side. And so Saul, as a leader, begins to create a war machine. As a leader, he steps into authority and his response to thrive and survive in the midst of the challenges and the testing and the tension around him is he's going to create this army that's going to counteract any kind of attack and help him move forward as Israel's leader. In fact, uh, 1 Samuel 14, 52 says, whenever Saul saw any strong or courageous man, he recruited him into his service. And so, man, it's safe to say that Saul was driven to win. He was driven to ascend to a place of power. And, and when, honestly, when he got to that place in that position that we're about to read, man, he has got a lot of power, he's got a lot of control, and he's got a lot of capacity and capability to do what he wants to do. And I believe he was constantly in the pursuit of remained, remaining powered up to not let go of what he had in his hands. And what we read here in 1 Samuel 15, it says Samuel, who's by the way, the prophet that's supposed to lead and guide Saul through his leadership. And he says to Saul, I am the one I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people, Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. Now, I think what's significant about this scripture is if you as the prophet need to come and tell and remind the king that you are the prophet who anointed him, then maybe it's presenting this picture that Saul's really not involving him very much. (laughs) So he's saying, number one, I've come into the scene. I came into your life and I anointed you king over Israel. And oh, by the way, the same Lord that gave me that message is giving me a message to tell you today. And you know what? Start listening. Start listening. It's the same God. Remember what God has told you through me. And just remember that I have a voice in your life. Now, at the very same time, Samuel begins and reminds Saul of a promise that God made the Israelite people about a vicious group that Saul is to attack called the Amalekites. Now, have you ever read the Old Testament and struggled with your theology? This is one of those portions. Because what God instructs him is so counterculture to us today, that it's hard for us to understand what's going on. And I'm gonna try to do my best to paint this picture of why God is, is saying, guess what? These people are a thorn in Israel's flesh and, and they need to be taken care of. And so in order to do that, you gotta open up to Exodus 17 and, and maybe just make note of Exodus 17. You don't have to turn there if you don't want but it's the account of Moses leading the Israelites from Egypt. What's interesting about this interaction is 
is Moses is in the desert and they are being tested and they're being tried and they're being challenged on a daily basis. And, and if you know anything about the story of, of the departure of Exodus uh, is, man, they took everything they could and that they could hold onto, right, and carry. So at this point in the story, they've navigated through the desert enough and for a time that they probably don't have much. In fact, just before Exodus 17 or the beginning of 17, we read that the Israelite people are grumbling against Moses because they have no water to drink. How many of you know that the people of Israel are at a weak position? In fact, they might feel like they don't have much worth. They don't have much value in their hand. They're barely even surviving. And that's where Amalek comes into play in this story. When Israel potentially is at the bottom, the bottom of existence, yet there is a person, there is a leader, there's a, there is a king that sees an opportunity and wants to attack, to attack Israel's people. And so they were in the place of weakness, arguably a worthless position. And, and randomly and totally out of the way, man, I, I did a lot of study yesterday morning looking, at, looking at, um, at maps, biblical maps. I mean, who does that on Saturday morning? And I was scratching my head because I, I saw where Amalek was, and that was kind of in the southern middle section of Israel. And, and God's people out of Israel are sitting there on the Sinai Peninsula. They are miles, miles upon tens to hundreds of miles away from Amalek, but yet Amalek feels compelled to go ahead and strike first. He totally went out of his way to attack the weak and the worthless. And that's what Amalek does. And he goes to the Sinai Peninsula and, and a war ensues. And Amalek was a ruthless, he was ruthless against the weak. He had this strike first mentality. Anybody watch Karate Kid growing up? I just noticed on Netflix uh, on, on Friday night, um, my wife got really disappointed in me because I was watching a show called Alone. It's the boringest movie or show ever. So she left and was like, I'm going to you know, go to bed or something. And so then I, I got bored of that. So I, I turned on a new show called Cobra Kai. Anybody following? And uh, anyway, so this, this, uh, the guy who Karate Kid beat, does anybody know his name? Anybody? I guess we're not legit Karate Kid fans here. Half of you don't even know who Karate Kid is. Um, but Cobra Kai's mantra is strike first. <laughs> Some of you are like, that was so stupid for you to share that. <laughs> anyway, that was Amalek, man. He was going to be ruthless and weak, and he was going to strike first. And, uh, and what happens, a war ensues, and Moses and Aaron and Hur go up a mountain. They go up a hill and the story goes something like this. As long as Moses has his hands up in the air, the Israelites prevail. And when he start, starts to grow weak and he loses power and his hands start failing him, the Israelites start to lose. Now, what's significant about the story, and I need you to hear, is this. In that war against the Amalekites, there is a narrative that Moses goes up the hill with somebody else. That he as a leader was smart enough or intuitive enough to take a few other people with him. And when he starts failing on top of the hill, he had Aaron and her, a priest and priests, to support him in battle. And it said that he, he sat upon a rock Come on, anybody serve the rock of ages? And at the same time, Aaron and Hur held up his hands. And the story goes like this. The Israelites defeated Amalek in battle that day. And then after that victory is, is when God's promise to Moses and the Israelite people is Right in this book, in this Exodus 17, 14, it says this, right in this book that I will blot out any memory of Amalek from under heaven. 
agree or disagree with the theology and understanding of God in this scenario, the one thing I do know is if God said it, he will do it. And so this is the context of which Saul comes up against these people and God gives him an order, which by the way, Saul is a war machine. If anybody in the history of Israel is going to be able to do it or has a specific purpose, it is Saul. And so, so I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that, that God has called Saul. He begins to instruct Saul really according to his calling and his business to step up and to do as God has commanded. And so 1 Samuel 15, going back, it says, now go, and this is the instruction, now go and attack Amalek and completely destroy everything they have. And you can read in your, your portion of scripture, but it mentions kill everything, spare nothing, kill donkeys, kill the sheep, kill the chickens. I mean, come on, Christy would love every chicken in this world killed. Have you ever seen that? If you have never seen that video, we'll post it later on online. <laughs> Not really, I'll be sleeping. I'm the one sleeping on the couch tonight, so. But God instructs him to kill everything and mo- or, uh, Saul goes into that scenario with 200,000 foot soldiers from Israel and 10,000 from Judah. And he goes, and this is what happens. He defeated him that day in verse eight, but he spared Agag, the king of Amalek, kept him alive. But listen here, he completely destroyed the people. However, Saul and the people spared Agag. That word spared also could be translated with the word compassion. Let me reread. Saul and the people had compassion on Agag, the king. Also, along with the best of the sheep and the cattle and even the second best, (laughs) also the lambs and everything that was good. They weren't inclined to destroy these things, but everything that was worthless or weak, they completely destroyed. You tracking what's going on here? God says, destroy everything. Which again, it's hard to grasp. It's hard to understand why that type of instruction is there because we believe that God is a loving God and that God wouldn't do this. But Saul, what he does is he, he completely goes against what God has said. In fact, instead of, of um, having compassion on the people, he finds compassion for the king, the leader of the group, and compassion for the animals. Saul had compassion for the king, but he deemed the people worthless. Saul saw the animals and he spared them for his purpose, but destroyed the people because they didn't fit into his plan. I mean, that's a tough leadership decision and he's made it. And and what I want to tell you today is that in our pursuit of up, we will be tested and when we are tested on that journey upwards, uh, our character will be revealed and our values will be defined. I mean, I wanna motivate us to be driven. I wanna motivate us to be driven, but I also want us to not be destructive on our pursuit and the upward calling that God has for us. Okay, don't raise your hand, but y'all know a leader or a person of authority in your life, they had that drive, but boy, they created a lot of destruction in their path. And I I wanna, I just wanna read this story of what's happening happening in the shadows of Carmel and and in our life as we we get up and let's get going and we wanna be passionate for God that along the way that we're driven and we wanna step into that destiny that God has for us, but we're not destroying a bunch of people in the backside of us. 
I think about, um, I love mountain biking. And I, I love inviting people to go with me. And some of you have been invited to do that with me. And um, on occasions, I've taken people through the single track location at Game Haven here in Rochester. And um, I always want to stick with the people I invite. But then like about like midway through the hill and they're not used to these hills, I'm like, I can't wait anymore. <laughs> and at some point, like I just can't help it, but I just start like kicking it in in, in high gear. And my theory is I'm gonna get to, the, to, the, to the, the peak of, you know, where we're going and then I'll wait for him. And I remember I invited a friend and he came and he had told me how much he mountains, mountain bikes. And so I, I was like, well, cool, man. Then and we're gonna, you know, really pace it really, really hard. And uh, so I was driven, right? And so I went up to the top of the mountain and there my friend is nowhere to be found. And I waited for a few minutes and then a couple more minutes. And then eventually like 10 minutes later, he came up. And by the time he came up to the mountain, he was like, what is going on? And, and he, he could not survive what just happened to him. Now, mind you, I do that to people, but I also don't ride with the best because I don't want to be killed. (laughs) I think sometimes in life, we let drive motivate us and we leave people behind. In our pursuit of up, whatever the Lord's placing on your heart, I'm just trying to paint this picture of the necessity of, guess what? You might need to slow down at some point because God wants you to go up, not alone, but with somebody. The rest of the story goes something like this. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. The prophet comes back into the story and And it says, I regret setting up Saul as king because he's turned his back from following me and hasn't obeyed my orders. And this made Samuel the prophet sad and he cried out to the Lord all night. Interesting enough, we then read Samuel went up to go meet Saul, but when he went to go meet him where he thought he was, He was nowhere to be found. And he was told that Saul came to Mount Carmel to set up a monument for himself. You see what's going on here? I mean, we're we're really beginning to get this picture of who this Saul character is. He is operating in a high level of drive and ambition. But guess what? He's doing a number one alone and he's doing it and he's destroying people all along the way. Typically what happens when, when the Israelite people and the leaders would have a victory, they would, they would set up a monument, but you would read, they would set up a monument to remember what the Lord had done in this location. See what you need to hear and what you need to see and you net need to allow God to begin to sink in your heart is this, is that God wants to do great things in you, but he wants you to, to, to always push back and to bring worship back to God, understanding that the victories that we've experienced in life is not because of what you are able to do, is because what God is doing. Saul came to Carmel and set up a monument for himself, but now he had left and on his will way back down to Gilgal, which by the way, Saul went completely out of his way to go set up that monument and then was going a complete different direction after. When I think of Mount Carmel and I think of what Saul did there, I imagine that that war was probably in the Jezreel, Jezreel Valley and Carmel's off in the distance and because of his great victory, he went up to the mountain to remember that victory in light of what happened down below. But for Saul, Mount Carmel was marked as a place of victory, 
but will always be remembered as a place of compromise. And I, I just sense as the Lord is doing something new in this community, in your hearts, in your minds, and he's motivating you and you're, you're being driven to live out your purpose and your calling. Uh, man, I don't wanna lose sight of why we do what we do. And on the way up the mountain of success, Saul became what he defeated. And when I'm fearful for myself, when I'm fearful for you, is in our pursuit of defeating certain things in our life, if we do it alone, we might become what we defeated. That there is a cycle that is natural if we're not careful. On the way up to success, Saul became what he defeated. Amalek and the Amalekites were known for being ruthless without reason. Shabbat.org, a Jewish website, writes about Amalek and says, Amalek, Amalek represents an attitude that is beyond repair because it's the opposite of godliness. It's entirely ego, egocentric, even while dressed up as an act of devotion to God. These are the seeds that can grow into the most extreme acts of evil fathomable because the greatest distortion of godliness is an act of malevolence adorned in righteous garb of purity and an act of selfishness acted out in the noble name of God. We've got a calling on our life. And I want us today to feel the gravity of that calling. And as God calls us to step up, that we will always remember that yes, we're gonna do our part. We're gonna pick up our mat and follow Jesus. And we're gonna, we're gonna ascend the mountain of God, but we will never forget that we're following Jesus. And when we begin to believe that it's about us, I pray that we've invited an Aaron and a Her and a Samuel and other people around us to join us in this journey. She saw one that day, but he really lost. And when Samuel came to Saul, Saul said, hey, aren't you proud of me? I did what the Lord called me to do. And Samuel's response was this, and I believe this is the message that you need to hear in our pursuit of up. Does the Lord take much pleasure in birth, burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying what the Lord has said? Surely obeying is better than sacrifice and heeding orders than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of sorcery, stubbornness like the crime of idolatry. And because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he too has rejected you as king. In our upward calling, let us be driven, but to be determined to keep Jesus at the center and his people our purpose. Jesus and his teachings in Matthew 16, I wanna leave this scripture with you. So Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their 
soul. For what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. You close your eyes, you bow your heads just for focal reasons. Again, not an easy message. But I believe it's a relevant one. Some of us business owners, when we are driven to pursue success, that today is a reminder that your business and your success is supposed to worship God and not lay waste behind you. There are some mothers and fathers, I believe, maybe grandmothers and grandfathers. Today is supposed to be a reminder that as we have the highest calling to grow up our children in the Lord, that today would be a day that we would humble ourselves again and let the Lord lead. Maybe some of us, we need to come into this place and just begin to repent for the words that we've spoken over a friend, over a family member, over a coworker. Maybe today is the day that we ask Jesus to forgive us and give us a fresh start as we pursue that upward calling to follow him throughout our life in whatever context we find ourselves in. I think today is a day where we find balance. The balance of drive, but yet the balance of pacing our walk with God. Today is the day that yes, we acknowledge Jesus is in front of us. And as we follow him, we are called to invite others with us. And some of us, we're ambitious and we're driven and we don't want to wait for anybody. And some of you that are really driven, the message you need to hear today is simply slow down and bring someone along with you. Today is the day the Lord presents, presents patience once again in your life. Jesus, today we come and we just say thank you. Thank you that you carried your cross and you modeled this life of servanthood. You modeled a pace, you, you modeled leadership and you ask us to follow you. So Jesus, you speak here today in our life. In Jesus' name. A few things this morning. I'm going to ask that the prayer team comes to the front and they can find their spaces. There are a few individuals that have made themselves available to you as if you feel like you need maybe just something more and you don't really know how to pray, the prayer team would like to pray for you today. And again, they can honor that and the way you'd see fit. But every week, we want to create a space for you to just uh, feel support with some of these people. The second is this, I just understand that some of you, you've walked into church and you feel far from God. I sense that some of you walked into Echo Church and you are a, a very driven individual, but along the way, you've lost sight of the one that you're supposed to be following. And that's Jesus. And we here at Echo Church, every week, we have our own little prayer that reminds us in the room, we can't do this alone. 
And today you came in here feeling far from God, but that doesn't need to stay like that. And today I'm gonna ask the Echo Church, would you just stand up? We're gonna put the prayer on the screen and we're gonna pray. And I just, for some of you, this will be for the very first time. For others, it will be like the 76th time or something. (laughs) I just pray that we would just lean into God once again and let him lead us as we pursue that upward calling. Let's pray. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Fire, 
Come and take me over, Jesus, draw me closer. I need your love like I need water. I need your love like I need breath. Side of my lungs burning my heart just like a fire. Come and take me over, Jesus, draw me closer to your heart. Your we just come to you right now and we thank you for this reminder. God, I just thank you for allowing us to reset our pace, to reset our steps, God, and to reset our focus. And we just give you today, God, we, we pray for victory. We pray for your voice to be heard. And I just thank you for this opportunity to learn and to grow and to lean into you. God, we just thank you for being a father who doesn't give up on us, for being a father who is always near. Jesus, we surrender to you today. Amen. As Andy was talking today, I couldn't help but think about our good old family of five with our three girls. There's been many times where we have been on a trail hiking on a rocky trail in Arizona or on a bike trail or we're on, you know, just like on a walk as a family. And I just thought about the position that we put ourselves in when we're, when we're with our girls. And every single time, Andy and I, we take team and one of us is leading. We put our three girls in the middle and then one of us is the caboose. And I always say the back person, the end person, is, is the life coach of the day. Cheering on, you're seeing it all happen. Don't give up, keep pedaling, you got this. And I think it's so easy for us to, for myself, being a very competitive person, to just go ahead. And Andy and I, we've definitely had moments where we've gotten way too far away from our girls, or we've had bikes thrown on the side where it turns into a walk instead of a bike ride. But I just think that the victory, when we get to the top of the mountain or the top of the hill, or we get to, in Rochester, it's like a Dairy Queen set up. You get ice cream if you get here, but it's so much sweeter when we're together. But I think right now, if we look at our life and you examine where you're at, is God calling you to be the leader in this season? Are you the one that knows the direction or, you know, you are the one, the veteran, you know the process? Or is God calling you to be in that middle, to be just learning and growing? Or is God calling you to be that cheerleader or that encourager for someone? Because I think it's so easy for us to get stuck. And I know for me, there has been points where I have felt massive defeat. I have been stuck. I have wanted to quit. And sometimes it feels like we're stopping, we're quitting, or we're pausing, but I need to sit on that rock and wait for people to catch up to me, for me to submit myself and get behind again and not lead, or to get back on the trail. And so I think there's that accountability. So just asking yourself today, where do I fit in this story? Because I know for me, my biggest challenge is that I need to adjust my pace for my family to stay up, to keep up with me. And maybe you need to adjust your pace today for keep to keep people next to you or maybe you need to speed up to get caught up or you see them so far off and you feel like you're so behind and you're just done and so I just want to challenge you with that today amen amen for those of you that prayed that prayer we want to celebrate with you today let's cheer for our people who prayed the echo prayer for the first time we never we never take it lightly, and we just want to celebrate with you. We have super easy steps. If you fill out a Connect card or even just go to the red table in the lobby, we have presents. We're all about the presents. So just stop there. There's amazing Echo team members there that just want to help you if you have questions. Also, I teach a class called Echo Culture the first and second Sunday of every month, and it's my favorite. And so it's next week in the community studio right next to the lobby. So if you have not stopped in, stop in next week. You can just show up. We have snacks. Childcare is provided. And we just, our heart is to help you find your place, find your people and discover your purpose. Amen. All right. We hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.